it was close. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I didn't absolutely love it. It wasn't my favorite film of the year. Shame. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. Put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. And this week, we finally get to do our new release review on La La Land. And because uh, I managed to get it in my area, I get to uh, have a guest because my usual co-host lives in the sticks in Kentucky, and he's not getting La La Land probably till next year, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, we have two new guests. We have Lolo and Big J from LoloLovesFilms.com. So uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe it's finally happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, speaking of you guys, why don't you tell people about your website, about your podcast, how they can reach you, all that good stuff. Uh, sure. Uh, we started LolaLovesFilms.com about three and a half, four years ago. We just kind of started blogging tiny little movie reviews, and we've kind of morphed into something bigger over the last couple years. Um, we're at Lolo Loves Films everywhere. Any social media you can think of from Snapchat to Instagram, follow us all over the place on Lolo Loves Films. And uh, we also have a podcast on Mixler. We record it twice a week on Wednesday night and Saturday afternoon. And it's on Mixler.com. That's M-I-X-L-R.com slash Lolo Loves Films. And we just kind of do an off-the-cuff style movie review, movie news type of uh, type of shindig. <laughs> nice. Awesome. All right, so let's get into La La Land, finally. So, of course, this is, you know, the big, big Oscar hopeful uh, from Damien Chazelle, the director and writer of Whiplash, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Uh, So I know for me, this has been the movie I've been looking forward to most uh, for basically the entire year. Uh, What about you guys? What were your kind of expectations going into this? Uh, we had pretty high expectations for it. I know La 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 was really looking forward to it for a long time. It's <clears throat> was one of my more anticipated movies. It wasn't my most, I will say. Uh, that came out the same weekend. I was Star Wars, but La <laughs> La La Loves films is uh, or Lola, yeah, she loves. She was like in tears every time she saw the trailer. Pretty much <laughs> that first trailer hit, and I was like, I am all about it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's one of those movies that un- kind of unfortunately, like the way the way studios release movies now is kind of like they make the rounds of all these festivals. So you kind of get all these opinions already. And when something has, you know, 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and everyone loves it, it's hard to actually live up to, to that kind of hype for months and months and months. Like, I mean, I think I've heard the first reviews for this probably four or five months ago. And now here we are finally at the end of the year and we get to see it. So did La La Land live up to expectations for you? Uh, I know that it did for me, absolutely. And sometimes you get those early Rotten Tomatoes reviews, like you mentioned, and the movies don't live up to expectations. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk was another film. <laughs> yeah, not so much. I, I was, yeah, I was <laughs> looking forward to it, and it just it didn't it didn't do it for me. That trailer made me tear up too. But La La Land, I'm so pleased to say, is everything I could have wanted and more. How about you, Big J? 
Yeah, I mean, it was close to expectation. It was very hyped. So, you know, you hear for months that it was the best picture uh, frontrunner mm-hmm. at the Oscars. And uh, it was close. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I didn't absolutely love it. It wasn't my favorite film of the year. Shame. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of talked on other podcasts about this and on my own kind of leading up to this. Like, I feel like sometimes there's a movie that comes out every four or five years that I feel like, God, that was like, that was made for me. That almost sounds like it was hatched in my brain. Like, it's a Ryan Gosling and a Stone movie directed by Damien Chazelle. And it's a musical, which I was like kind of raised on. Like, I grew up listening to musicals and the kind of movie musical in a lot of, in a lot of ways, has kind of gone away. Like, we get one every four or five years and everyone's like, the movie musical is back and it never is uh because i i don't know if we live in more jaded times and we can't we can't have musicals every year but like when i heard about this i was like oh my god i can't wait for this so all year i've been waiting and for me it definitely lived up to expectations like i think it's a beautiful beautiful movie like i you know, I laughed during it. There was much more humor than I expected there to be. And I, mm-hmm. you know, there were moments of, of real emotional weight in this movie. And it got me thinking about how sometimes music can pull more weight than dialogue. Like there's a particular scene late in late in the film where she goes on an audition and the song she sings there is heart wrenching. And if you oh, just yeah. and if you just said those words, if, if that was just dialogue, like I don't think it works. Like I think it's interesting. It's an interesting story. But like along with the the words and the music, like it really catches you and kind of caught me off guard. Like I was I was enjoying myself through the whole movie, and then I, f- I found myself thinking, like, okay, is this the best movie of the year? And then that scene hit, and I was like, okay, I get it. Like, that's where it really all came together for me. Yeah, that was a great scene at the end of the movie. And the music in this is is really good, and uh, it drives the story really well. Um, there's a lot of stunning visuals. I mean, it's a beautiful yes. film, and I will definitely admit that, that it is a gorgeously shot uh vividly colorful film that is uh very engaging from start to finish and it is funny i did laugh quite a bit it starts off with that one number well okay i guess i should back up a little bit it starts with the presented in cinemascope like <laughs> right. the old school movies and my heart just leapt Same. out into the audience nope. <laughs> and then you've got that whole first number on the freeway and it's just i mean everybody's wearing different colors and everybody has a different car and it's just so it's such a high to start the film and it maintains that high at least for me throughout the entire thing but like you mentioned that one scene at the very end that was when I lost it (laughs) right yeah absolutely oh man but that opening scene is really interesting to me because I've, I've talked to some other people like other people who aren't big fans of musicals and that first scene they got worried like okay is this going to be one of those musicals where every 10 seconds someone breaks into song like are we going to break into song about going grocery shopping is that is that what this is going to be uh, but they ended up really enjoying the movie because it wasn't like that and I think it felt like the movement from you know quote unquote regular film into the musical moment seemed very seamless and seemed like it fit it didn't feel forced at all which is which is something that's really rare and i think that opening scene is so beautifully shot like not only the choreography and the singing but just the fact that i think i mean from to my eyes it looked like basically that was one continuous shot on the freeway and it goes on for a good three or four minutes like this is not a short piece of film and the fact that it kept your eyes and your ears entertained during that is 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 truly kind of a 
uh, an impressive feat from from a young director like Damien Chazelle. I think he's only made three movies, and two of them are really, really well thought of. So it's going to be interesting also to see where he goes with his career. I was going to say, I hope he doesn't get corrupted by the big box office, you know, juggernaut that right. he gets on Independence Day 3. Right. Leave him out of it. <laughs> I just wonder if he's, he's ever going to make a movie that uh, isn't about jazz in one way or another. Yeah. Like that is – apparently that is definitely his passion and something that is weaving its way through all of his work. And you mentioned Damien Chazelle, and I, at the end of this film, thought if he doesn't at least get nominated for oh, Best Director yeah. or if he doesn't win Best Director – I'm going to rebel. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there's much chance of him not getting nominated. His name is definitely popped up kind of on every award and every awards consideration. And, you know, he directs the hell out of this movie. Like, this is not – there are some movies out there where it's like, okay, I'm going to lean on my stars and I'm just going to let them tell the story. This is not that kind of movie. Like, like, like you already mentioned, you talked about kind of the color and the scope of this movie, and it's huge. And I, I wish L.A. looked like this. Like, that's what I kept thinking because yeah. I've been to L.A. and I know – like, there are sure, there are parts of L.A. that are beautiful, but, you know, it's very choosy about where they, <laughs> where they film uh, all these scenes. But like the colors are so bright and vibrant and I really think the personalities of Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling really come through. And of course, you know, they've worked together before and they work so well together. But I I think like it's between this uh, and like Crazy Stupid Love as far as my favorite uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone pairing because they're just so good together. Like he plays that kind of pseudo stoic, kind of a jerk, uh, but endearing. And of course, she's just so she's like charm personified to me. So they really work together so well. And that definitely continues here. Yeah, they have had they have had great chemistry, and every time they've worked together, we just rewatched Crazy Stupid Love recently before watching La La Land, and, and we forget how good that movie is and how good they yeah. are together mm-hmm. at times. And now this one really showed uh, how well they play off each other, and they they fit really well because they have a little animosity against each other early mm-hmm. on in this movie too, and it's uh, it's kind of a fun fun play with them. So yeah, and it was unexpected. Because uh, there's a there's a shot in the trailer of him playing the piano and then walking out and then she introduces herself essentially and then they're kissing. So you thought – I thought going in like, oh, the, they're going to start off in love and it's going to work their way through the relationship. But it takes a good you know, 45 minutes to an hour of the movie before they reach a point where they even really enjoy each other's company. Like there's definitely some going back and forth and figuring out where they're at in their lives, which which was a nice surprise. I like it when trailers give us something to latch onto, but they don't like give away too much. And I thought the trailer did a great job of that with this movie in particular. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, you stole the words right out of my mouth. So often we get these trailers that tell you A, B, C, and then the finale happens. Right. And this <laughs> plays with the expectation. And it's 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 unexpected. And it's, like he says, it's very exciting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they even made, you know, somehow, like, if, if you told me I'm going to have a movie and it's going to be a romance and we're going to have a scene where he explains how great jazz is to her. I'm like, you know, I'm not really signed up for that that doesn't sound fun to me but they somehow made it was great to see like you could really see his passion come through in that moment and i think there's i think anyone who's been in a long long-term relationship knows that feeling of getting excited about something because someone you love is excited about it 
You know, it's not even necessarily that you like it. You'll learn to like it. But having that moment of like, that's something they're really engaged in. And that's so fun to see them passionate and to see them kind of go after their dreams. And I, I felt like they did a good job of capturing that. Yeah. And I think part of that passion comes from Damien Chazelle. Yeah. And since he's so passionate about the jazz itself, it seems it comes across <laughs> on the screen. And you probably always get your best movies when the director is really passionate about the subject they're working with. And if he is like, if he admires LA and the struggle to get started, and it's something that, you know, people who've gone through that can relate to anyone trying to live a dream of some sort can go through, but he's really passionate about it and it comes through on the screen and it comes through in his characters that he's written. So, I mean, that's something that really ties. So, you know, passion's a big part of Chazelle himself and it just comes across on screen through the actors and everything. Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, one of the most impressive things about this movie is, and some will probably disagree with this, but I felt like, of course, this movie has its tropes. You know, it has things we've seen before, but I feel like it kind of revels in those tropes and it's kind of playing on them because it is this kind of ode to old Hollywood and this ode to the old Hollywood musicals. Of course, you're going to have these things that you've seen before, but it, I think because of how it's dealt with visually and because of the charm of the main characters, I felt like it didn't suffer from that like another film might have. Absolutely. And I think that, like you mentioned, the modern versus old that presented in Cinemascope starts it out setting the stage for what's to come. We know that it's set in modern Los Angeles. She's driving a Prius. That's right. clearly a modern vehicle. But everything about this and not just the places they go in Los Angeles, but it's I, I described it as half love letter, half hate letter. It's a love hate mm. relationship between L.A. from the uh, vibrant colors on the on the freeway to then the traffic itself from these gorgeous places to then people everywhere and people vying for the same jobs and not getting a break. And it's, it's very nitpicky of Hollywood itself and the culture and the climate of yeah. auditioning and things like that. But the modern and old factor, it never wavers. There are some homages to like an American in Paris singing in the rain, things like that. Mm -hmm. But then you've got this modern flair and it's just, I, I'm, I'm out of words to describe how much I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was even there was even a line in the script about it where they were talking. Uh, Ryan Gosling says something like, "You know, that's L.A. for you. We worship everything and we value nothing." And I, I thought that yeah. was really interesting. In this, you know, I walked into this thinking like, "Oh, this is going to be a love letter to to L.A. to Hollywood." And I like that. You know. There's some bitterness there, too. And Damien Chazelle has said, like, he's based a lot of this on his experiences trying to become a director in Hollywood and how challenging that has been. So I'm sure there's moments where he hates Hollywood and there's moments where he loves it. And I, I did feel like that really came through, uh, you know, from that line and from the feeling this movie get, gives you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like you mentioned, he would know he's kind of made these smaller films. He's never really done a huge blockbuster type of movie. So right. he knows what it's like to fight for his dream. And that definitely comes across on stage like so many of the other different parts of this movie that kind of move together and combine into one glorious, wonderful film, which mm -hmm. everybody should love. <laughs> Yes, I, I totally agree. Uh, there, there's some things I want to talk about, but they're mostly spoilers. So is there anything else either of you want to bring up before we move into spoilers? Uh, just that, it, I mean, the, the unrelenting positivity that kind of comes through, even in its unexpected 
plot points. I just think that that that's the kind of movie we need right now is something to lift our spirits, you know, yes. and it's not. <laughs> yeah, I just too many movies are so dour and negative, which are those are fine. But right. this is just so positive and so wonderful that it kind of fills your heart, you know? I just want to say, like, this, I don't know if it's my favorite movie of the year, but it's pretty damn close. I can't imagine a situation where this does not make it into my top five or top ten for the year. It is a really enjoyable experience. I walked out of the theater smiling. Uh, I was humming the music the rest of the day. I was listening to the soundtrack the rest of the day. Like, it is it is a fun, wonderful cinema experience, and one we don't get enough of. Like, I think there's definitely a place for dark and brooding films. I enjoy those too. I mean, one of my other favorite films this year is Manchester by the Sea, which is almost devoid of positivity. Uh, mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the opposite. And I think there's there's kind of room for all. So I definitely highly recommend seeing La La Land once, uh, once it comes to theaters near you. And who knows when that will be. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right. So let's go to spoilers. Uh, so the one thing I wanted to talk about is I think my what really solidified this as one of my favorite movies of the year is the fact that it could have gone for the stereotypical Hollywood ending. It could have gone for everyone gets their dreams and and they get the person they want to be with. And I love that mm -hmm. it doesn't have that but it also like kind of has its cake and eats it too where you have this montage of what could have been if they had stayed mm -hmm. together if only one of them had achieved their dreams and i liked that we got that because i think i think anyone who's lost someone that's important to them goes through that that feeling of regret and kind of looking back not necessarily in this wholly negative way because the movie ends with them kind of having this understanding, even if it's completely nonverbal. But I love that we got kind of both sides of that coin. I mean, that's my, as negative as it, as it sounds, that's my favorite part of the movie too. I just mm -hmm. think that so often people think that they can have both and that's just really not realistic. It's, yeah. it's either your dream or the person you love. And maybe, maybe you can get both if you're lucky, but it's it's rare that you get both. And this just feels more authentic, which speaks to the film as a whole, I would say. Yeah, that kind of sacrifice they make towards the end, you know, it's it shows because they both do get their dream. And it's when he's going off the path where they kind of lose each other for a little bit. But her success takes them away and his success goes off once she's gone. So it's kind of it is interesting, and it did bump it up a little bit. They didn't end up together. I mm -hmm. thought it was a, a bold move for the things, and they didn't go for the, you know, what you'd say, the Hollywood happy ending, mm -hmm. pure happily ending, even though they have that kind of smile at each other towards the end. Right. But it was definitely – and that montage is great too. Oh, God, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean it's it's one of those where the whole movie is beautiful and there's lots of beautiful moments, whether you're talking about you know the kind of tap dancing scene on the hill or you're talking about the you know the literal, literal dancing on air sequence. It's all beautiful. But like for my money, my favorite sequence is that elongated kind of dream sequence that he has that shows their entire story, some of what happened and some of what could have happened. But this, with all these really interesting stylistic touches so there's never a second where you feel like it's real like you know that this is this is a montage and this is something that could have been but it all is so gorgeous to look at and i just could not have enjoyed that more 
it's their la la land. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. The uh, other thing I love about that part is the um that Tom Everett Scott is in it too. And I can't I my little, you know, tinglies went up on the back of my neck when I saw him because I'm a huge fan of that thing you do. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but notice that that's he has a jazz oriented nature to his character in that right. movie. And that he plays her, her beau, her betrothed, her beloved. And I just thought, I mean, that's that's genius to have him in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's another nice little touch from him for sure. I think I think the ending really got me because it I think it makes you actually second guess yourself as you're watching the movie. Because the whole movie, you're rooting for both of them to get their dreams. Like you're rooting for them, but I think you're also you're rooting for him to leave this this band behind and own his own jazz club. You're rooting for her to finally get a good audition and become successful. And then as the end happens, you start to second guess that and go like, oh, well, maybe I should have been rooting for something else. Maybe I should have been rooting more for this partnership than I was for their dreams. You know, so it puts you it'll be really interesting to see it a second time, knowing how this ends up and see how it kind of changes that experience. It definitely would. And the um, unexpected thing we were talking about earlier, too, at the beginning, we see that that clip from the trailer is actually in that end montage. Yep. And they threw that unexpected curve at you because when we saw the trailer, we were expecting that to begin. Mm -hmm. And what really happened was he walks by and bumps her out of the way and just pushes her away. And we were like, what? (laughs) It's not what I signed up for. (laughs) What is this? And it is so focused on their dream and their relationship is happening at the same time. But we're so focused on wanting them to get their dreams that we do forget about, hey, they, their relationship's there too. And maybe we should be rooting for the relationship to succeed instead right. and wanting them to wind up together. But, you know, it's their goals are we I guess their goals project on us as an audience. Right. And we kind of uh, say they're so career oriented and they're so focused on making their dreams. And that one moment where Ryan Gosling does what's best for their relationship, where he joins the band and mm-hmm. is going on tour, which where it makes money for them and he, they can have their own stuff together and she can pursue her dream. It um, it kind of, you know, we kind of think maybe he should give it up and go after his dream, but it, you know, it comes at a cost. It comes at a big cost to them, so. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, is the one time that he does something purely for their relationship, something against his values. Like, we're like, oh, God, why would you do that? Just, you know, start saving up and go for that jazz club. Why are you touring, you know? Uh, but it probably, like at that point, at least in his mind, would be the best thing and the most and certainly the most responsible thing for that relationship to flourish is to have at least one of them have a steady job and a well-paying job and not be, you know, working as a barista and doing auditions in your spare time. Yeah. I think he's like trying to sacrifice his dream so she can pursue hers and it winds up, you know, she's kind of upset that he gave up his dream and it kind of, you know, has the opposite effect that he wanted. Right. And, you know, he was trying to be selfless in that moment, but it's just, uh, it's kind of a powerful moment in that movie. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because I think that's one of the things I liked most about it is that despite the fact it's in this fantasy world and it's a musical and all that, some of these some of these scenes between these two are so real. Like, you know, him coming home and trying to surprise her and then, you know, everything going bad and you have this huge fight and one of the people walks out. Like that kind of stuff does happen when you like, you know, I'm trying to like really go the extra mile, but we end up in this discussion that neither of us planned for and then kind of all this 
this kind of ugliness comes out. And this whole idea of doing something for your partner, even if they haven't asked for it, can come back and kind of bite you. Like he does take this job because he hears her talking to her mom on the phone. Her mom's kind of nagging her about this guy who doesn't have doesn't have the standard job. And she never wanted that for him. But he makes this assumption like, oh, that's what she needs. Look at that conversation. So I better do this. And of course, it comes back to bite both of them. Right. It says so much without saying anything. And that's kind of where La La Land succeeds is it it gives you these glances. It gives you these unspoken words between characters that sends them down this path of no return. That's good for both of them, but it's not good for them together. And that's just I think that's the mark of a true cinematic experience is when you can not only see things playing out, but you can read between the lines and get those little glimpses of. Maybe I should do this for us without it ever being said. It's not every detail spoon fed to the audience, which is it makes you think it makes you wonder what could have been like we all do in in life sometimes, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting if he hadn't done that, like who knows what would have happened. Maybe neither of them gets their dream if he doesn't make that choice because that leads to them having all these fights and it leads to him not showing up for her. Uh, and that, you know, probably changed her performance in that one woman show, which that casting director saw and all these things down the line. So maybe if he, you know, follows his own dream, he doesn't get to own a jazz club. She doesn't become an actress and they struggle together and maybe break up down the line anyway. So it's really interesting if you kind of look at that, like all the, all the things that this affects moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's well written movie it just really is and there's so many scenes and then this movie has another thing where it's just very rewatchable because of the music i think and yes. the music is so there's a lot of great songs in this movie uh i like i can't never remember the titles of the music songs someone in the crowd someone in the crowd i really liked and then mm. of course the the last song we talked about a little bit earlier but yeah. we can actually name the song but the uh, here's to the dreamers or, audition the audition song yeah yeah that the lyrics of that song are just very touching yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that was, I think, the most emotional moment in the movie. And I was like, not prepared for that. Like, I was like, really enjoying myself and everything was great. And then that hit and some of it's the music, some of it's the singing, some of it's just Emma Stone's emoting like her face, like she was just phenomenal in that scene. And essentially, Chazelle isn't doing anything fancy in that scene. He's just holding the camera steady on her. And like, okay, well, let's, let's go on this journey with with this actress and and where she is and how how much of a mess being an artist can be and and you really feel that in the performance of that song and i think i think if you take that performance out of this movie this movie becomes a solid movie like a you know kind of middle of the road enjoyable musical but that i think really brings it home and i also think that solidifies Emma Stone in the Oscars conversation yes. for best actress i think that up until that point she had been this, I mean, she's great in it. She is great in it, but that scene pushes it over the edge. And that scene also shows, like you mentioned with the camera work, it doesn't all have to be these big flashy musical numbers. Right. That's a very simple scene in one room. They dim the lights and his playing with the light, the cinematographer right. and the camera work together. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And how that scene comes to life because of the camera work and because of the aid of the lighting and the simple song and that she's actually singing it in this musical right then and there. Right. <laughs> it's just it's just so raw and realistic and it's perfect. It's a perfect scene in my in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think I think you really hit it on the head there with raw and realistic. I think especially in comparison to everything else that has gone on in the movie, all the magic and all the twirling camera. Like if you look at the the pool party scene in the beginning or you look at the kind of dancing on air scene, like everything is kind of over the top and magical. And this is just like, you know, we're just going to stay here. We're just going right. to be with this person who is feeling this and we all get to feel it. So let's not let's sometimes it's better to not do anything fancy. Like, let's just stay right here. And I think Chazelle made the right decision kind of every step of the way, but especially in that sequence. Yeah, he does a great job ca- capturing the tone, the proper tone when it needs to be there. You know, the, he right. it, it's a way to guide the audience into the feelings you want them. Uh, I don't know if he's trying, you know, it's not fully manipulative, but it, he's definitely guiding you in the way that you should feel. And music is a big part of movies anyway. I mean, right. no matter what the movie, even if it's not a musical, music is such a big part from either the score or, you know, the songs chosen for the soundtrack. It's just they help really guide you. And without the without music, movies would be a lot less, you know, emotional than they are. Right. I mean, it's just such a powerful medium uh, in, uh, in this. And musicals especially, which have to do the thing where the like the definition really for musical for me is not just this movie where people sing but a movie where people sing songs that push the narrative forward and this right. this movie does a really good job of having songs that push the narrative forward forward and that are also catchy enough where you would re-listen to them over and over and that's right. uh that's really important for a musical is to have music that's not annoying and this one <laughs> manages to do that yeah i think it, i was annoyed by one song in this movie how about you guys yeah i don't think yeah. so usually in musicals there's one song where you're like eh, i'm not a fan of that let me just skip past that when i listen to the soundtrack but i think i think they all work and i think for me it's because i think chazelle didn't make this effort to have one song that's like oh this is the song you're going to be singing when you walk out of the theater, he wasn't concerned with having one that was like their catchy number, their radio hit. It was like this needs to all work together. And I think he accomplished that. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a stunning display of like you mentioned, he's such a young filmmaker in terms right. of how many movies he's made. But it's really stunning that this is his, only his second or third. I believe it's his third. Yeah, film. one was a very small. It was like almost a student film. And then. You know, we have Whiplash, obviously, from a couple years ago. And then this is number three, which is amazing. That's two out of two. We haven't seen the, you know, basically the student film, but it's two out of two winners for for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whiplash was one of our best when it came out. Now this one is definitely up there. It's going to probably be at least in our top five. And I know it's I think it's Lolo's number one for the year for sure. It might be. Yeah. But but it's uh, definitely top five for me. Nice. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that covers the movie well enough. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, why don't one more time uh, you tell people how they can reach you online? Uh, sure. Yeah. You can uh, reach our movie reviews on lololovesfilms.com. We also have a podcast. You can go to mixler.com. That's M-I-X-L-R.com slash lololovesfilms. We air live on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific and Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific. And we're on all of the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, Tumblr at one point. I don't think we really maintain <laughs> it anymore, but uh, at Lolo Loves Films. All right, so we'll take a little break and then come back with kind of fangirl fixation since Britt could not be here because we got busy slash lazy slash 
distracted uh, and forgot to record, so it'll just be me. But we'll be right back. All right, everybody, this is yet another edition of Fangirl Fixation without Brit because she's working crazy hours at her job, uh, and we just kind of ran out of time this weekend, unfortunately. So, of course, I will make this quick, uh, and we'll just talk about the movies coming out next week uh, during the holiday. Uh, so who knows if any of these movies will be seen by anybody uh, because people are usually with their families during that time. But you never know. There's always one or two big releases over the Christmas weekend. So let's get to those movies. So there's four movies coming out this week that I wanted to talk about. The first is Passengers. This is, of course, the Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence space Titanic, I guess, uh, that got kind of I remember hearing about this earlier in the year and thinking like, oh, this will be a huge movie, you know. Uh, Chris Pratt kind of coming off some big successes in movies, and Jennifer Lawrence is usually a draw, although her personality in real life has uh, kind of put her on the hot seat recently, so maybe not so much. Uh, And this trailer also got a lot of publicity for just kind of being bad. Uh, It is a bad trailer, and I kept hoping that, oh no, maybe it'll be good, Uh, but everything I hear about this movie from early reviews is not good. Uh, It doesn't look fantastic. I mean, I might see it just to laugh at it. Because uh, that's the kind of horrible person I am. Uh, but I'm not super interested in it. I think Britt might actually want to see it because she doesn't really keep up on kind of uh, early reviews and what people are saying about it. And she thought it looked good. So there's that. So we'll probably end up seeing that one for sure. Uh, the next movie is Assassin's Creed, of course, starring Michael Fassbender uh, in the in the title role. And this is also directed by the same person who directed him and Marianne Cotillard in Macbeth. So uh, there's kind of I, – I feel like that's why this guy got the gig. It sounds like he's friends with Fassbender and he's just kind of taking him along uh, with them, which, you know, more power to him. If I had famous friends, I'd probably do the same thing. So I'm very torn on this because, like, visually, actually, I think this movie looks really cool. I'm really interested in it. But it is a video game movie, and the last good video game movie I saw was, uh, right, there hasn't been one ever. So uh, I'm not super excited for this, but I'm willing to see it because of the talent involved and kind of the visual style that it looks like seems pretty cool. Uh, but you know, tell me what you think when you contact me on Twitter at PC case study, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this movie's going to be great. And you saw the trailer and you could not be more excited for it. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the third movie we want to talk about is sing, uh, which is another animated movie, uh, which looks horrible to me. Uh, and I'm just starting to think, and Britt and I have talked about this on the podcast before, how it, uh, it seems like, like there's two categories of animated movies. There's kind of like the, the artsy animated movies some of the pixar movies uh fall into that some of the studio ghibli movies fall into that uh a movie i saw recently from this year april in the extraordinary world could kind of fall into that and then you have the rest you have this other category of movies that are there to keep children busy and they're there to give their parents 90 minutes of peace which i respect uh even though i'm not a parent uh i've taken care of kids before and they can be way more than a handful, and sometimes you need a break, and I get that. But in terms of a movie, uh, this looks like hot garbage. Uh, it looks like it's just kind of tying into, you know, you like these songs, so parents, you can be entertained, and kids, you can be entertained because they're singing and dancing and animals, and it's great. Uh, so so I don't see myself seeing this, uh, especially not in the theater. I'm not going to make time to see it. You know, I didn't see trolls uh so i'm not gonna see sing either so i'm not super excited about that uh but of course i'm sure it has a thousand celebrity voices because 
if you're a celebrity, you can get uh, voice acting roles, and it doesn't matter if it's good or not. No one will no one will hold it against you if you're in a bad animated movie as opposed to a bad live action movie. So you know, more power to you. It's easy money. I I can't even really be upset about it and can't blame you because uh, I'd probably do the same thing. But the movie we are going to cover is another Oscar hopeful, uh, which comes out on Christmas. So we'll see if we can get the new release episode out on time on the next day. It'll be tough because, you know, it's Christmas and people are busy. But Fences comes out. Now, Fences is based on a stage play of the same name uh, written by August Wilson. And it stars Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Denzel Washington also directed. And this movie is getting a lot of Oscar heat for not only Best Director for Denzel Washington uh, and Best Actor for Denzel Washington, but also Best Supporting Actor Actress for Viola Davis. It almost sounds like, according to the critics, she kind of has this wrapped up. Like, she is going to win this no matter what else comes out, no matter what other movie you see. This performance is, seems like, you know, one for the ages. So I'm super excited about this because, uh, you know, I like both of the both of the main actors in this. Uh, I saw the trailer and it looks good. Uh, it's based on a great play. And I, I think it's good to see Denzel Washington come back to form. I remember when we were talking on this show with Mike about Denzel Washington and the Magnificent Seven, and he was kind of mourning the fact that Denzel seems to be going into this period of his career where he's just like silent and brooding and kind of an action star uh, and not doing much with his talent. But here it looks like he is, he is kind of back to form and, and doing, doing his best work. So, so that's really exciting to see. So, so of course uh, we are taking a look at this next week and we're pairing it with wait until dark, which is another famous award-winning film that is based on a stage play. So that that is our connection here. We had a lot of choices, but but we went with Wait Until Dark, a movie I've never seen. So I'll watch that and uh, do an episode on that. So that should be exciting. So that's it for the new releases this week. As I mentioned, the next time you'll, you'll hear me, we'll be doing an episode on Wait Until Dark to pair with Fences. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. There's so much that I can't see Who knows Is this the start of something wonderful and new Or one more dream That I cannot make true Think I want it to stay.